God, we love you, and we love you so much. We, uh, God, sometimes it's hard to put into words and hard to, hard to talk through how much we love you and how, how little we feel in terms of your love. We don't deserve your love, God, but we, you, you lavish it upon us. You, you loved us so much that you sent your only son, John three sixteen, God. And so this morning, I just pray that we would come to grips with this love and come to grips with the promise that you make us, God. God, this morning, as I pray every Sunday morning, would you speak through me? How would the words that come out of my mouth not be my words, but would they be your words for your people on your day? God, we're here to celebrate you. We're here to hear from you. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are in our final week of Advent. Uh, this, uh, this is our final Advent series Sunday. Uh, tomorrow night, we will come and light the Christ candle in the middle, and so... Uh, and just another reason for you to come. If you want to see that candle lit and hear what it's about, you got to come tomorrow night. Uh, and so uh, we so far have talked through this Advent series. We've just been talking about hope. This series is called A Thrill of Hope. What does it mean to live in hope? What does this Christmas season mean in terms of hope? How do we, how do we live out the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? And so in the first week, we talk about the anticipation that hope brings this anticipation that was brought to the people as, as the prophet Isaiah prophesies these people who, whose lives can be described by living in utter darkness and fearful gloom. How does how, this, this, these words that he brings, that this Messiah would be a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and an everlasting father and a prince of peace. This is, this is hope. This is something to look forward to. These people had something to look forward to in the person of Jesus. Now, we live on the other side of that promise fulfilled. Jesus has come. We celebrate that at Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Christ, and we celebrate Mary and Joseph, and we, we talk about the story of Christ being born. We live on the other side of that promise, but we, too, look forward in anticipation, knowing that Jesus is not just he's not done coming. Jesus is going to come again, and the kingdom of God will take hold and will reign. This is what we look forward to, and we look forward in anticipation. The second week, we talked about the way of hope. We started unpacking Luke chapter 3, talking about John the Baptist and his words uh, to, to these people who are, who are waiting for this Messiah. And he, he comes to them, and he says, he's actually quoting Isaiah again, but he says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. That week we talked about the way of hope, talking about how do we prepare a way for, the Lord, for our Lord, for how do we prepare a way for Christ, even in our world, even in our culture, as he's, we await his coming once again. How do we prepare this way for the Lord? How do we make our paths straight for the Lord, knowing that, yes, he has come, but he is coming again as we talk about Advent. And last week we talked about the generosity of hope, how this anticipation, this, this, as we prepare the way for the Lord, the anticipation that we have, it, it changes everything about our lives. It makes us live in a more generous way. The second half of Luke chapter 3, after, after John the Baptist talks about uh, preparing the way for the Lord and making straight our paths, people ask him, how do we do this? And he basically just says, share if you have two coats, give one away. Be generous. Tax collectors ask him, what should we do? And he just says, don't rob people. 
Don't take advantage of people. Be good. Be kind. Share. Soldiers come to him and they say, what should we do? And they say, he says, don't use your authority in, in uncontrollable ways. Be kind. Be good. Be generous. Share. So we talked about the, the hope that is to come and, and the way that we prepare the path for Christ. And, and a lot of it has to do with our generosity. We need to be generous people. We need to be people of love. This week, I want to I wanna jump back in the book of Luke. Not to Luke chapter 2 yet. We'll do that tomorrow night as we talk through the story of, of Christ being born. I want to go back to Luke chapter 1. And I want to look at, at Mary this morning and, and just some of the words that she says after she understands that she is pregnant with the Messiah. I want to read this passage. I really want to, I want to unpack this passage this morning really in terms of promise. This week's theme is the, the promise of hope. The promise of hope. And so I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 879. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 39. And we'll stop along the way and kind of unpack this a little bit. But here's Luke chapter 1. Starting at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth, just a little context. Elizabeth, earlier in the first chapter, we discover she's married to, to Zechariah. She is going to be John the Baptist's mom. She is pregnant at this moment, right now, as we are reading with John the Baptist. Okay? She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is this child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I want to stop right there. We're going to talk about Mary's song in this next passage. But the word blessed here, I want you to just think about this. There are a lot of things in Mary's day that an unwed pregnant woman would be called. Blessed was not one. See, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, there's laws that state exactly this, that if there is a woman found pregnant and unmarried, she is to be taken to the door of her father's house and stoned to death. People, people didn't really look too kindly or too favorably upon people who were not married and pregnant. And yet here is Mary. She's going to visit one of her relatives, Elizabeth, who, honestly, one of the things I was thinking about this week is we don't actually know that Elizabeth knows she's pregnant at this point. Right, we don't know how, how pregnant Mary is at this point. We don't know that the word has been able to travel all the way to Elizabeth. There wasn't like a post office. They didn't get a text like, uh, hey, we're pregnant. It's a boy. Like, no, they didn't get any of that. Right? There's none of that. And so Mary travels to Elizabeth's house, and she walks in, and Elizabeth just knows. Maybe she's heard. Maybe she hasn't. But she knows that Mary is pregnant. 
And not only is she pregnant, even just the, the blessing that she prays over Mary, this, this what the words that she says here, in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She not, she not only knows that Mary is pregnant, she knows who Mary is pregnant with. And she says she's, she's blessed. She's blessed. And Mary and Elizabeth, I think in this moment, they stand in kind of a hopeful expectation. I mean, Elizabeth and really should not be pregnant at this point. We know that from earlier in, in, in this chapter. She's, she's old. She shouldn't be able to be pregnant, but she is. And here's Mary, who's young and probably shouldn't be pregnant, but she is. And yet they stand in this kind of hopeful expectation that the promises of God, these, these promises of God from long ago, are about to be fulfilled. You can, you can kind of just feel, I'm almost getting goosebumps right now, just the hope that would be in that room. As both of them, pregnant, knowing who they are carrying and the purpose of, of why. The hope that is filled here. It's a hope that causes Mary to sing. It causes Mary to, to continue on here in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. You know, there's a Christmas song that we sing sometimes. It's called, Mary Did You Know? Some of that, some of you, that's, that's one of your favorites. And if it is, I don't want to play spoiler, but the answer theologically is a pretty simple yes. She did. She knew exactly what was going on. Uh, You can't not read this song that she sings and not believe that Mary knew exactly what God was doing through Jesus. These promises are going to be fulfilled. I mean, he's, he's helped his servant Israel. He's remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. These promises from long, long ago are going to be fulfilled through, through this son that I carry. She knows exactly what is going on. And this song that she sings is really, it's, it's, it's a really powerful song. I mean, this song that she sings in the middle of this situation, it's a song of God's promises being fulfilled. It's a, it's a song of resistance to oppression that they've been facing. I was thinking about this. There's a lot of parallels between this song here in Luke chapter 1 and the song of Moses and Miriam in Exodus chapter 15. 
In fact, I want to go back this morning. I want, I want to read that. Exodus chapter 15. I bet you didn't know we were going there on Christmas Sunday. I know that. Exodus chapter 15. It's on page 60 in our pew Bibles if you want to go. And I want to read you the song of Moses and Miriam. And I want you to just, just listen for the consistencies here between this song and the song of Mary. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariot and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seizing with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Miriam sings just a little piece of this at the end in verse 21. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. I mean, Miriam and Moses, they they are both doing similar things here. Miriam and Moses, they're, they're singing about deliverance from Egypt, and they're singing about the miracle of the Red Sea as their people walked across on dry land, and God fulfilled His promise to them. And then we have Mary in Luke chapter 1 who is, who is singing because she has been delivered. There's a deliverance coming from the Roman Empire, and there is a miracle that the Messiah is coming. And not only is there a miracle coming, she's a part of this miracle. This miracle is happening inside of her inside of her right now. See, both refer to the mighty arm of God. There is a there's a power and a strength that when people feel weak and vulnerable, that God is powerful and strong. There's this there's this sense of, of God's strength and his power that they both talk about his right hand, his right arm. There's this sense of God's authority in the world, that God is the one in charge, that he knows what is going on, that he will continue to stay faithful to what he said because he has the authority over everything. Both are songs of of resistance and prophecy. I mean, the Egyptians, they kept Israel as slaves. And the Roman Empire, their empire just flourished 
on the backs of the Israelites. Right, these songs are, are they're, they're talking about their days are numbered. They, down, the downtrodden would flourish. I mean, well, people have been living in hunger and oppression and, and poverty. Mary's song speaks of a kingdom where things are flipped, where the hungry are fed, and the oppressed are loved. They're fed and they're restored. I mean, this, this new kingdom that she is singing about, this kingdom that is to come through, this kingdom that was promised long ago, but is coming through a miracle that is happening physically inside her at that moment. And this, this is a, I think one of the coolest things about this is that as in Mary's song, everything is in present tense. This is happening. It's not just something that we're looking toward in the future. This is all happening now. The promise is, is in process. The promise is in the process of being fulfilled. She's declaring a new reality that, that people can live into right now, in this moment, ushered in through Jesus Christ. See, Mary understands that there is, a, there is a promise being fulfilled here. The promise of promise of peace. A promise of restoration. A promise of redemption. A promise of salvation that is coming through through Jesus. I think Mary, the other, the other interesting thing I, I find in this song is that, well, even in just all the verses that we read, Elizabeth talks to Mary and she says that Mary is blessed. Elizabeth essentially is, is, says the blessing is on Mary. Mary, however, when she talks about the blessing, she says, generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has, has done great things for me. His, his, holy is his name. But look at, look at the rest of the things she says. His mercy extends to those who fear him. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He brought down rulers from their thrones. He lifts up the humble. He's helped his servant Israel. He's filled the hungry with good things. He's merciful. This, this blessing in Mary's eyes is not just a blessing on her this is a blessing for all. I think Mary understands here that she is blessed essentially to be a blessing. She is blessed to, to bring a blessing. Right? This, this blessing is for, for those who are oppressed. It doesn't just, she doesn't just receive blessing. She declares blessing over all people. I mean, she declares the faithfulness of God. She declares the mercy of God. Mary has an incredible song to sing here. Mary, did you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she knew. She knew full well what was going on. And she had a song to sing. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. You and I, 
we also have a song to sing. We've been recipients of the blessing that Mary is singing here because we're on the other side of this promise. But again, there is a promise to come. And we have a song to sing. We have a song to sing because we know the story of Advent. We know the faithfulness of God through Jesus Christ. We know and we declare hope to come. And we can sing songs of freedom and we can read these words and we can know that this is, this is Jesus that we're talking about. This is, this is Jesus we sing about. And everyone needs to know. Everyone deserves to know. Everyone needs to hear our song. Because through Jesus, all people will be blessed. The hungry will be fed. The, the downcast will be restored. The oppressed will be no longer oppressed. This is, this is hope. And not only is this hope, this is, this is a promise. We have these promises all throughout the pages of this book. that This is who Jesus is. This is why he came. And this is why you and I are here. We have a song to sing, just like Mary had a song to sing. Mary's attitude was that she was, a, she was blessed to be blessed. We are blessed as well, and we are blessed to be blessed. See, the Messiah, Jesus, came for us all. And there is a, there's, there's kind of the same universal nature towards our call. We're, he came for us all. All means all. Not just us all in this room, but all in the whole world. And so we have a responsibility to go out and, and, and go to them. And, and just like Mary, we carry the image of Christ within us. We are image bearers of Christ. We were made in His image. We are image bearers of Christ. We carry Christ with us wherever we go. I mean, He's not physically in our stomach like He was with Mary, but we carry Christ. And we go out into the world. And we have a song to sing. And it's a song of hope. It's a song that declares that even in our darkest moments, we're not forgotten. We declare that song to the people around us. We, we remember the mighty arm of God. And we look towards a kingdom that looks so different from the kingdoms of this world. And even as we wait for that kingdom, we open our arms and we extend this blessing to the world around us. That Jesus is here. Jesus has come. And he came not just for me, but for you. And he came not just for us, but for the world. We have a song to sing. That our God is faithful that the Messiah has come, that he's coming again, and that we are really, truly a people of hope. Here's a thought for the week for you. Whether you know it or not, your life is singing a song. What song are you singing? 
the way in which you live, the way in which you go about your days, the way in which you go about your relationships speaks volumes into your belief, into your faith, into all of that. What song are you singing? Do people look at your life and know that you are singing the song of hope and a hope in a risen Savior, a hope in a baby who came over 2,000 years ago for you and for me? Is this the song that you are singing or are you singing a different song? I want you to think about that, especially this week as we go through Christmas what song are you singing? And if it's not the song of hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ, then let it be so. Think and process. How, do, how can my life sing this song? How can my life prepare the way for this Lord? How can my life make straight His paths? How can I look forward in anticipation? How can, I, how can I be generous? How can I sing a song of hope in Jesus Christ with my life? How do I live this out? It looks different for each and every one of us, but the goal is the same and the call is the same. We all have a song to sing. Let's sing it just like Mary did. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. And we are excited this week to celebrate you, to celebrate your son, to celebrate the gift that we received. And God, as we go from this place, would we be reminded about the song that we sing with our lives? as we look at the words that we say to our friends and our family, as we look at the priorities that we place in each area of our life, would each of these things sing the song of Christ? Would it be a song of hope and anticipation? God, we celebrate the coming of your son, Jesus Christ, but we look forward to the second coming. May we sing our song of hope so that the world may know and that the world might come. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.